We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we're going to chat with you real quick before we get to our 49ers Cowboys preview. We're going to real quick talk about our friends over at Lamb Chops. SGLambChops.com is the website. Follow them on Instagram at SGLambChops. Promo code Candlestick20 at the website for 20% off your order. T-shirt, hoodie, shorts. I have a new obsession. They have a snapback, it turns out. I've never seen that on the website before. But they have a snapback and I need it. So, New stuff coming happen. for the fall I've seen on social. That I'm pretty Let's excited go. about. Might have to dive into. Yeah, of course. Get a Lamb Chops hoodie in time for hoodie season. Use Candlestick 20 when you're there. Candlestick 20. Promo code Candlestick 20 when you're there. And get 20% off your order today at sglambchops.com. We're also sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. Cooper'sBrewing.com is the website. They make great beer, including Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. I can't wait to get home and drink some. I have a bunch of it in my fridge. And I've been drinking beer here this week. Not that good. It's just fine. I'm in Key West, by the way. But the beer's just okay. I can't wait to get home to my Candlestick Chronicles. Yeah, Key West is decidedly not Northern California when it comes to beer. <laughs> Sources say. Uh, if I'm ranking beer scenes, it's it's North Bay 1, Key West 2. 3 is like NA. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Oh, yeah, I've never God. been to Key West. I've spent a little bit of time in Florida. The time in Florida, I do, I do remember kind of struggling to find some some good quality um, IPAs. As you can see, if you're streaming on YouTube, uh, we have we have the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA can up, and it's a uh, man, it's a beaut. The it key looks, for me looks really good is the hundred percent Citra hops. I love a Citra mm. hop. It's just a kind of like light citrusy flavor. Sure. With the hazy, oh, it's delicious. No doubt. Shout out. Cooperage Brewing, cooperagebrewing.com. Shout out to our friends at Cooperage. Always good. They'll ship a case of beer directly to your door for 21, over 21, 21 and over, and in the state of California. It's the best way to acquire beer, so go do that right now at cooperagebrewing.com. All right, let's get to this 49ers-Cowboys Sunday night football preview. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to 
Bush has got him and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Hey, Chris, what's your favorite 49ers Cowboys memory? Uh, growing up, I grew up a 49ers fan, and um, the early 90s, or I guess mid-90s teams were the the reason I, I basically got into sports and this this wild business that we're, uh, that we're in. And um, so the 94 championship game against the Cowboys was, was probably my favorite sports memory growing up. Um, and, you know, Eric Davis with the interception. I don't know if anybody listening remembers the steak sandwiches that they used to have um, on the lowest part of the concourse when you entered the stadium through the ticket gate before you went up any of the escalators they had this big giant grill where they would do steak sandwiches and i want to say they were tri-tip but they would like they Mm. would have these sandwiches um on sourdough bread and my dad and i would get them basically every game and they were super good and uh so it was like a lot of nostalgia um late 90s for me around the 49ers and growing up and being well we had season tickets I think from you know I was seven to probably about 13 or 14 uh didn't miss a game including preseason we took a lot of pride in that and then um you know there was traveling baseball and all of that later on in life but um yeah in the fall not to brag you're wrong Sick brag. <laughs> <laughs> it, it led to me it led to a career in journalism and podcasting so <laughs> Um, no, but that, like, that was sort of the highlight for me growing up, uh, in childhood was, was Niners Cowboys. And obviously that 94 game, or I guess it would have been January 95. And obviously the Niners went on to win the Super Bowl a few weeks later. Um, my dad's car got towed that game. We, the, as I'm sure many listeners know, the parking lot in Candlestick Park was a little bit hectic back in the day. A little bit. Um, and we used to get there plenty early, but for the NFC title game, uh, it was far more crowded than usual. And we had like a normal spot. We would drive in and, and sort of park in like a vicinity in the same route. That route was unavailable to us for whatever reason, I remember. And then so we kind of parked what seemed like a parking spot at the end of an aisle. Right. It just, And there was mm-hmm. no real demarcation whether or not it was a spot. Um, so we go in, we have our steak sandwiches, obviously like a, an amazing game. Emmett Smith's dealing with a hamstring injury. Steve Young's dropping dimes in the corner to Jerry Rice for touchdowns. Eric Davis's um, pick six early on, setting the tone. Celebrate the Niners going to the Super Bowl and all that. Finally beating the Cowboys. Go back to the parking lot. Cannot find the car. Uh, car <laughs> is gone. And so... Um, I think I was seven years old and my dad was far more upset about the situation than, uh, <laughs> than I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I, I think we got back super late, <laughs> super late. And, uh, but no, it was still worth it. It was fun. And obviously we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't go to Miami or anything for the Niners starter Super Bowl. but Steve Young goes on to have six passes and, you know, Ricky Waters was a favorite. William six Floyd touchdown was a passes. Favorite. Yeah. Six, not terrible. That's pretty terrible. good. Pulled the monkey off his back. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> was it Gary Plummer that did it? Yes. Shout yeah, out that Gary was Plummer. Gary Plummer. Shout so out GP. That team with Deion Sanders and all that. Anyway, I've been I've been going on for far too long, but that was that was like a very vivid memory in in childhood and and was super meaningful uh, at that point. And obviously, I had to more or less give up being a fan in in the broader sense of the word and you know mm-hmm. trying to be a, a big J journalist and covering the team and um sure. trying to be a, as objective as possible but that's really that the reason why i bring it up is because it was that team that 94 team that really made me just sort of become sports obsessed and and ultimately that led to a career in sports journalism which included covering the niners so i'm pretty uh you know, pretty lucky for, for all that. And, and it speaks to what sports can mean to, to a lot of people. I was too young to have a memory like that. Were you even was, born yet? I was four. Okay. I was about four and a half in January of 95. Um, so I don't have a real vivid memory of the like rivalry as when it was like at its peak, but I got to tell you, Ezekiel Elliott playing center. <laughs> The year after Dak Prescott slid the clock out, <laughs> both in playoff games, just two like unbelievable endings. And the fact that it was Mike McCarthy both times as the coach who ha- had that happen, that was really great. So those are the two. The two most recent ones are the ones that stand out for me. Oh, Terrell Owens on the star, actually. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, T.O. on the star, I think, is is the one for me. I think we, I, I think also, a lot of people forget how good Terrell Owens was, like, in his I told, dude, I, I had a tweet go viral recently, not to brag, and I, I <laughs> tweeted something about Terrell Owens' season with the, with the Bengals. He's 37, and he had, like, 900 yards in, in 14 games, and it turned into, you know, people just replying with that's why he's the goat or he's a top. the amount of people that just have zero respect for how freaking good at football Terrell Owens was is insane. Like there were a lot of people who were like, he's a top three receiver all time. And it's like, you know what? I will, I will, I will accept that argument. I am there. But there were people who was like, he's not even top 10. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, that's crazy. He was he, unbelievable, dude. He was like a physical marvel. Um, you he, remember just like what he would be like after the catch. Like he was, he was almost like if Derrick Henry were like a super dynamic receiver. Yes. That's what T.O. felt like back in his heyday. And obviously like, feels- like I think the reason why T.O. has become such a sort of polarizing figure has been around the, um, the hall of fame discussion. And I think mm-hmm. the hall of fame discussion is largely, like the reason why he was somewhat of a controversial pick or at least not a first ballot pick was probably because writers look at it and say like he he more or less kind of left like like nuclear craters in his wake whether it be when he left the 49ers or whether when when he left the Eagles or when he left the Cowboys like he was sure. he was difficult to deal with and that was like a big um that was like a big a big factor into mm-hmm. why I think people were slow to to vote him into the Hall of Fame. But I don't think anybody like the, the the off the field stuff and the locker room stuff really matters, right? And like ultimately why one of the big reasons why the 49ers are as good as they are is because they have 
they have a good culture, right? They have a really strong locker room. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's like a substantial part of it. And, and anyone who would talk about maybe that being overrated in terms of like weighing that versus talent, I would point to like the 2014 49ers and say like that team had more talent than any other team in the Jim Harbaugh era, but it had the worst record of Jim Harbaugh's era because it was just like a, basically a shit show behind the scenes, like just a cluster of like constant conflict between the front office and Jim Harbaugh and all that. Sure. Um, And it basically just derailed the season, despite that being a super talented team relative to, to the other teams that made deep playoff runs that Jim Harbaugh had. So I think the reason why people, why TO's history or legacy has changed it a little bit. And maybe people forgot of how dominant of a force he was is because of the off the field stuff. And because of, the Hall of Fame voting thing being a story that sort of overshadowed and maybe replaced some of the memories that people have in terms of how dominant he was. He made every team he was on better. That's yeah. That's the end of it for me. He was really, really good. So anyways, 49ers Cowboys, am I right? The uh, the talking about Mike McCarthy and and those decisions at the end of those last two playoff games, I think is really where we should probably start because, you know, I I think that's where the 49ers have the biggest advantage over the Cowboys. Is I would agree probably pure coaching. I agree. Um, Kyle Shanahan, for as much guff as he's received over the years about end of half situations or fourth down situations or you know it it doesn't feel like and I guess maybe you could point to the Super Bowl a little bit but I would argue like their are issues late in the Super Bowl or late in the Rams NFC Championship game weren't about Kyle Shanahan screwing up the play calling or anything like that it was just kind of like the 49ers getting beat at critical points right the offensive line getting dominated by Aaron Donald or Jimmy Garoppolo um or the like Mike person getting dominated by Chris Jones, right? Like there are, there are issues that the 49ers have had late in games that feel like personnel issues. Whereas the Cowboys, particularly in the playoff losses to the 49ers late have just made, just had like coaching blunders. Just, you know, and not like it really would have mattered last year. I don't think I don't think there was a play where the Cowboys were going to go 85 yards or whatever they needed to in one play. Right. Like having Ezekiel Elliott snap it and Aziz Alshire just knock him over. (laughs) And it was, you know, that's just a classic overthink. And then the throw and then the throw just immediately gets blown up. Yeah. Didn't even get a lateral in. Yeah. Just a weird, just a weird play. No, I would I would tend to agree with you. And then. McCarthy took on play calling duties this year and it's really clear that, or it seems, it seems to me based on what I've read and what I've heard, just listening to people talk about the Cowboys who know things about the Cowboys is that Kellen Moore, their former offensive coordinator kind of wanted to modernize the offense and Mike McCarthy does not. And you go look at what Dak Prescott does well, excuse me, and what he doesn't do well. And one of the things Dak Prescott is very good at is pushing the ball down the field, like throwing the ball deep. He's very accurate at, and he's very good at, at reading defenses and then, and then putting the ball in the air down the field. Dallas this year has 
or Prescott this year, I should say, has thrown 11 passes of 20 plus yards, which is like nothing. And then you go look at his A dot overall, and he is at 6.2 on a, on his average depth of target, 6.2 yards. Basically, everything is underneath in the short or at or behind the line of scrimmage. That's where so much of the Cowboys passing game happens. And then he's McCarthy's still one of those establish the run guys. And I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I don't I don't know what what he's trying to do because he was supposed to be having this <clears throat> renaissance as a coach where he spent all this time with pro football focus and he's into analytics and this and that. And it's just really clear he's not. And I don't think the style of football he wants to play is necessarily a winning style of football. And okay, they blow out the Giants. That's great. And their offense looked really good against the Jets, but then they looked terrible against the Cow uh, against the Cardinals. And I think had some late game play calls that really didn't make much sense in that one. And then they go out and they beat the heck out of the Patriots. But you have a Patriots team that a might not be very good, and b gave them a couple of touchdowns with turnovers. So. I buy Dallas because their defense is really good and they have a ton of talent on offense. But to your point, the biggest flaw, I think, with this Cowboys team and the reason I don't believe in them is because of their head coach. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. I think that's that's their biggest flaw <clears throat> overall. I think one thing that's interesting about Dak Prescott and just looking at his numbers, this is pretty clearly his best season in terms of completion percentage, which like, isn't, I'm not saying this is his best season by, by any stretch, but like best season in terms of completion percentage, right? Career high, mm-hmm. 71% of his passes completed his yards per attempt, which is largely a function of the percentage of passes you complete is the lowest of his career. So he's completing passes at the highest rate of his career, but the average yards per attempt is the lowest which indicates that he's he's just not pushing the ball downfield at the same rate. And like Brandon Cooks hasn't given them a whole lot this year so far. Um, you only have CD Lamb. You don't have Amari Cooper anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I just I, I don't really know what to make of the Cowboys offense because I think Dak Prescott is probably a better quarterback than his numbers would indicate, although he is a guy who threw 25 interceptions combined between 2021 and 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he only, he's only thrown one pick so far this year. So at least he's, you can make the case he's, he's, you know, like controlling the ball a little bit better, mm-hmm. but I'm with you. But like for, a Mike but, but McCarthy, what? a Mike McCarthy team, like the Niners have beaten Mike McCarthy teams forever. It feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly in big games. Like the yeah. the times that Mike McCarthy has beaten the Niners were like Monday night in 2018 when it was CJ Beathard going up against Aaron Rodgers. And even the Niners almost won that game. The Niners should have won that game. <laughs> <laughs> so lead late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. So I just I, I don't you know, I, I think my fear it like if you're the 49ers, your fear of the Cowboys is definitely on the other side. It's you know, Micah Parsons against Colton McKivitz. Really? I mean, that mm-hmm. that to me is it. Like, the Cowboys have arguably the best pass defense in the NFL. Yeah. Um, obviously, losing digs for the season with that torn ACL in practice a few weeks ago hurts really bad. Uh, but they still have a lot of good players in the secondary. I think, you know, the Niners, Browns, and Cowboys quite clearly have the best defensive fronts in the NFL, or at least defensive lines. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would think the Niners have better linebackers overall. I think Micah Parsons and, and Nick Bosa is more or less a wash. Although you can make the case that Parsons has been better than Bosa so far this season. Sure. Um, but it's not to say Bosa is not capable of having three sacks on Sunday. Um, so I, I think to me, like this game for Dallas to win, they just have to dominate the trenches on both sides, but particularly like pushing Purdy off of his spot and make it so they take away the short passing game, create third and long situations where you allow Micah Parsons to pin his ears back and Brock Purdy has to do a five or seven step drop Mm -hmm. and you give the pass rush time to get home. Um, Because if the 49ers, like, I don't know if there's a team in the NFL, frankly, that can beat the 49ers if the 49ers are being successful on first and second down. I would agree. If they have too many weapons, Kyle Shanahan's bag of plays that gets the ball out of Purdy's hands quickly is just so deep mm-hmm. that you know, like he it third and four is is much less of an issue for the 49ers than third and twelve. Right. And right. That's the case for a lot of teams, but yeah, no, right. And I'm not I'm not trying to be like, you know, this is this is like super no, smart no, no. analysis right. that no one else can, this is can where, figure out. But, but this like is, this is what it looks like when the 49ers lose. It's that they either turn the ball over or they're just in, they're they're taking sacks on third down because they're not winning enough on, on first and second down. Yeah, and that's just to this is the whole Brock Purdy thing. Is you start to see his physical limitations in spots like third and twelve or third and fourteen. And that's why staying ahead of the sticks is so important because that allows him to continue to be really, really good. So I, I think with the 49ers, it's important for every team, but it feels like more important with San Francisco. But like I said, important for everything. I have a Michael Parsons thing I wanted to run by you. Mm-hmm. Michael Parsons is tied for the league lead in pressures right now with 27. He's also uh, tied with Max Crosby with four sacks, right? He has rushed the passer 34 fewer times than Crosby. And he has the same amount of pressures and the same amount of sacks. He has the same amount of pressures and one more sack than Aiden Hutchinson, who has 57 more pass rushes than he does. He's really good. That's insane, dude. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Michael Parsons never rushes the passer, basically. And he's that productive. I shouldn't say never, but... Yeah, with him and Demarcus Lawrence... I just their their defensive line is really really good, and if they get if they get a twenty five percent better performance on offense, if they get a tw- if they get Dak Prescott just to not turn the ball over, they could play the exact same game they played in the in the divisional playoff game last year and probably win. Yeah, but again, that means Dak not turning it over. It means you're hitting a couple of deep balls to CeeDee Lamb, which the 49ers have not given up a ton of a ton of explosive plays this year, and Dallas has not thrown a ton of them. So and and you also have Kyle Shanahan adjusting to what they're throwing at him defensively. So Yeah, agreed. Like it's gonna take for me, like we haven't seen the Niners, obviously they're undefeated so far, but you remember the last few years. And again, this isn't like groundbreaking football analysis, so I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Smart Guy here, but like when the 49ers have lost games, a lot of it has come down to turnovers. Mm -hmm. And that's really been the biggest reason why, like you can go back and look, there's almost a one-to-one correlation between games that they've lost and games that they've lost the turnover battle. 
mm-hmm. right? And and to me, looking at this game, the only the only place where I think Dallas has a significant advantage is their defensive line against the 49ers offensive line overall. Yeah. Yep. And you know, like that like forcing like pressuring Brock Purdy, hitting Brock Purdy, that's the way you force force turnovers. Yep. And so for me like that is where the Cowboys could potentially win this game is if they dominate the 49ers line up front, you know, they get, they rip a fumble from Debo Samuel or something. Um, they get a strip sack uh, deep in 49ers territory and get a touchdown out of it and win by four, right? Like that's like, that's the formula for the Cowboys. But on the other hand, like Kyle Shanahan has proven to be one of, if not the best coaches in the NFL, to scheme up to scheme against pass protection deficiencies, right? Like to, to find ways to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly. And in essence, that's like how the 49ers are built, right? You get so many good players with the ball in their hand, including Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey that like, all you have to do is get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly and let those guys run. And that's how the 49ers are built. So in essence, you can make the case like the 49ers are built for this type of game too. Right. So I think like the 49ers are better um, and they've been the better team throughout the season. I think Brock Purdy is playing at a higher level than Dak Prescott. And like, look, I know people would, would rank Prescott over Purdy. I don't really care about quarterback rankings. I think, objectively if you just look at the four games that they've played that Brock mm-hmm. Purdy is just playing better football than Dak Prescott I think the numbers say it I think the eye test says it I think it's pretty much unequivocal I think if you are ranking quarterbacks you're probably looking at body of work and pedigree and all of that and then you say well Dak Prescott's more talented than Brock Purdy sure yeah if you want to make the case based on talent alone I would argue I would argue that like playing the position is might be the most underrated talent when it comes to being a quarterback. I mm-hmm. think that's one thing that maybe we're learning about this Brock Purdy, like the way the way he's discussed is that like playing the position or the ability to play the position is an underrated talent in terms of the way quarterbacks are viewed because everybody looks yep. at size and athleticism and arm talent and arm strength and and all that. So it's like but what about the way he's actually playing quarterback like that? I, that I feel like is, is getting a little bit underrated and that's sort of where Brock Purdy shines. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of the whole, the whole thing. Like if you, yeah, if you flip Purdy and Prescott, I'm not totally sure. Even if Prescott is more physically talented, I'm not totally sure how much better the Niners offense gets. But like we we like we said this on the last pod, they they're <laughs> they're on the teams they're on, and if you want to say that Dak is playing better because of what he could theoretically be doing right now, then okay. But he's he's not within his offense. He's a dink and dunk passer right now because the Cowboys are scared that he's going to turn the ball over like he has the last season and a half, and the Niners aren't scared of that with Purdy. They're going for it on fourth and four and letting him throw it. Because Kyle Shanahan trusts him to do the right thing and to make the right throw and to accurately make that throw and to not take a bad sack. And there's all these 
boxes that you want to check if you're playing quarterback and Purdy checks a lot of them and that's a good it's a good day for it so that's what I I I think if you're if you're comparing the quarterback matchup here and you want to say that Dallas has a better quarterback they don't objectively because you have to take into context the coaching and the system and right now Dak is not playing quarterback as well in the context of the Cowboys as Purdy is within the context of the 49ers. Yeah. I mean, Purdy, Purdy's got the best QBR in the league yards per attempt. He's at 9.1, which is like, which is crazy. Mm. Um, Prescott in terms of yards per attempt is at 6.7. That's 20th in the league. That's behind Justin Fields, Geno Smith, Sam Howell, Jordan Love. It's just above Anthony Richardson and Josh Dobbs. Um, you know, again, like numbers, numbers don't always tell the entire story. Like Brock Purdy is the highest rated quarterback in the league. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he hasn't thrown an interception yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Dak Prescott's 13th in rating. Um, you know, I don't know, like uh, Prescott's ninth in QBR, Brock Purdy's first. If you flipped their numbers, if you just, just pick them up and switch them. People are calling for Sam Darnold for the 49ers and calling Dak Prescott the MVP. Fact. Sure. Fact. Like, that's just exactly how it would go. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not... I, I think the point, like, the who's the better quarterback, I mean, that that's a, that's a very subjective discussion, and it sort of depends on your criteria and whether or not you're weighing career and resume and all that stuff. But I think if you're just looking at this season, who's played better football, I don't think you can make the case that Prescott's been better than Brock Purdy so far this year. So, again, like people want a degree of difficulty and all that. I think Kyle Shanahan made a good point when he talked to the media yesterday. We're recording this Thursday on Wednesday. Purdy or Shanahan was asked about, you know, the criticism of Purdy and Shanahan basically said like, yeah, just like watch the film. Like <laughs> Shanahan just just went watch more ball to everybody. Um, but it it was just, you know, like, I think it's just watch him play, man. All you got to do is like, just watch really closely. That's like, watch, watch what the smart football people are saying when they break down his film. And even you, you got a, you got a tweet from Dan Orlowski today. Yeah, no big deal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) me and Dan like this, he won't come on the pod, but that's fine. He talks about, nobody talks about this, how the 49ers used to stretch defenses horizontally. Now they're stretching defenses horizontally, but also vertically because Purdy is willing and able to throw the ball down the field in ways that Jimmy Garoppolo was not. So that's forcing he, and then he drew this big line and basically showing that defenses have to cover Christian McCaffrey hanging out near the line of scrimmage on one sideline and Brandon Ayuk 25 yards down the field near the other sideline. And how basically that is that is like 50-plus yards of field that teams have to cover because the Niners' offense is so dynamic, and it's dynamic now because they have a quarterback that can do more than throw it into the middle of the field between the hashes. And like if that's not a sign that you have better quarterback play than what they've been getting, then I don't know what is, man. And this is, it's Dan Orlovsky saying it, it's J.T. O'Sullivan saying it, it's uh, Kurt Benkert, 49ers legend. He talks about it 
and how well Purdy's playing. I just I I think the way Purdy's viewed in the NFL, like among talent evaluators and GMs and coaches, is vastly different than he's the way he's viewed by a lot of like media types. Yes. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the the good thing about this is like we get to watch it happen. We get to watch Purdy play the Cowboys again. And he outplayed Dak Prescott in the playoffs last year. I think that's pretty fair to say. Not that Purdy was like amazing, but he didn't turn the ball over where Prescott did. And it more or less cost the Cowboys that game. Yep. Yep. Uh, Should we take a a quick break, a edited in break that the, uh, (laughs) the people streaming will not get, but take a quick break and then do our prize picks. Yeah, we also have to do a what's on tap. Oh, you're right. Yeah, goddamn right I am. <laughs> We're going to talk about our favorite brand, Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com. You can follow them on Instagram, at SGLambchops. They're a Minnesota-based fashion brand, founded in 2012. And they are now our favorite brand, the official brand of Candlestick Chronicles. Comfort, quality, style. Check, check, check. Those three boxes, if those are the things you're looking for in your clothing, um, mm-hmm. can't recommend Lamb Chops enough. I'm wearing a pair of mesh shorts right now. They are yeah. extremely comfortable, What's extremely the stylish. Uh, these are the these are the werewolves. Um, Where, I think they're just regular wolves. Well, they're wolves. I mean, they look like. You Do could... you believe those wolves transform into people? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, no, you're right. Maybe they do. <laughs> I mean, we don't know that they don't. Yeah, you can't prove that they're not that. <laughs> we'll um, have to ask. We'll have to ask our guys. But this is regular wolves. Okay, fair enough. Um, extremely comfortable, high quality. I've I've worn them, warm to Disneyland. The zippered pockets on the shorts, the best. Phenomenal. The best. The joggers, phenomenal. The, the hoodies, phenomenal. Great. It's all great stuff. Yeah, they got t-shirts, hoodies, shorts. Any season, Lamb Chops has got something for you, whether you want the loud and flashy, whether you're more into the understated styles, Lamb Chops is going to have something for you. So go to sglambchops.com right now and use promo code CANDLESTICK20 to get 20% off your order to check out some of those styles when they are released. Follow them on Instagram at sglambchops. The brand emphasizes attention to detail and premium quality. It's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand cleaver logo and custom cut and fit for each piece. The brand's mission is to lead the herd with original and high-quality clothing. Check and check. They offer one-of-a-kind clothing options from unique statement pieces to everyday essentials. Use promo code CANDLESTICK20 at lambchops.com today. All right, what's on tap? Sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Can I tell you something that's not on tap? What's up? Cowboys tight end Jake Ferguson doing anything substantial in this game. You're just out, out on Jake Ferg. I'm out. So every week we do at the NFL wires, we do this um, best bets thing where we have to go through and we have to pick a prop from our team's game and write about it. Jake Ferguson, the Cowboys tight end. This is, this is, I know this is not a betting segment, but this is, if you're into sports betting, here's some free money. Um, Handed it out. Free money. Handing it out. Free money. Um, Jake Ferguson is, according to BetMGM, his long reception, his longest reception is over or under 15 and a half yards. The 49ers this season 
have only given up, I believe it's 10 catches of 15 and a half, or I'm sorry, of 16 yards. That's what I was looking for. They've only given up 10 catches of 16 yards or more. One of them has been, excuse me, none of them have been to a tight end. And tight ends this season, my page is not loading. So I'm just, uh, I was trying to stall and now it's just gone entirely. That's sick. That hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, basically, the Niners, the the tight ends can't move the ball against 49ers. So I'm going to go less than 15 and a half yards on, on uh, Jake Ferguson's longest catch. That's on tap. Okay. That's on tap. Uh, one thing I'm interested to see. And, like, the numbers didn't really back it up from early in the game before he left with that ankle injury. But just watching, I remember watching that game uh, last year, the playoff game, and Tony Pollard looked like a problem. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, he was, when he left, it felt like it gave the 49ers, like, a decided advantage. Like, it was a big loss for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they felt it throughout the rest of the game. But... Like, I want to see what Tony Pollard looks like because we haven't seen a, a tailback really have a great game against the 49ers just yet. And I think if there's one that might, like, Tony Pollard sort of fits that profile because he's somebody who, like, you know, like, can can potentially outrun the 49ers linebackers. Like, he's one of mm-hmm. one of the rare running backs who who could even pose a mismatch to, to the Niners linebackers who are, I think, unquestionably the best duo in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's probably going to have to have a big game for the Cowboys to win because I think it's, you know, it's going to be a defensive game. I think it's going to feel a lot like the playoff game last year. I agree where it's going to be ugly offensively. There's going to be a lot of plays made defensively. And I think the team that, um, that runs the ball better and has more success controlling the ball and the tempo of the game and all of that is going to win. Mm-hmm. And obviously that starts with slowing Tony Pollard. And and I think he's, I think he's one of the better running backs in the league, at least when he's right. Um, and so given that the 49ers that he left that game last year and the 49ers didn't have to deal with him for four quarters. I'm curious, like my what's on tap would be what, what's his impact on the game. And cause he's going to have to, he's going to have to have like a big game for the Cowboys to win. And if the 49ers mm-hmm. limit him, I just don't see any way that, that Dallas comes to Levi's and, and pulls off the upset. Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree. And because of that, I think a big Fred Warner game is on tap. And that might be in slowing down Tony Pollard, but it might also be in patrolling that short area of the field where Dak Prescott has thrown it a lot this year. It might be Fred Warner against CeeDee Lamb a, a lot in in between the hashes and between the numbers uh in the in that short you know zero to ten yards beyond the line of scrimmage kind of area and prescott has kind of lived there this year he's going to feed cd lamb a lot he's going to try and feed tony pollard a lot he's going to try and hit jake ferguson his tight end in that area and i think that a lot of that is going to come down to fred warner and it might also mean uh, Warner getting home on a couple of blitzes if the 49ers defensive line is not is not being impactful like we saw in uh, in week two against the Rams. So I'm expecting a big Fred Warner game, kind of like we saw in the playoffs. Remember last year in the playoff game, he was all over as a, as a, as a run defender, but then that had that sick play where he faked a blitz and then went back and caught up to CeeDee Lamb to knock a pass away. I was just going to mention that. I, 
I forgot if it was against Lamb or not, but it was. I think it was like around the goal line, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was. He started. Yeah, it was a at huge line play. Of scrimmage, and then sprinted back to the seam and broke up the play to CD Lamb. Was it a third down? I think it might have been a third down. It either way, it would have been a huge. Yeah, it was play a big play. Had yeah. the Cowboys come up with it. Um, yeah, it was either yeah. a second or third and long. Yeah, it was just an example of of just how good um, Fred yeah. Warner is, particularly in coverage. There was only one touchdown in the game last year. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. CMC. I think a Christian McCaffrey touchdown is on is on tap. I'm going to go out on that limb. So you think he's going to? I I I feel like I keep screwing this up. I need to go back and 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 look at the the notes. Okay. For the uh, the McCaffrey touchdown. Thirteen consecutive games. Thirteen. So fourteen is a team record. Right? No, he already broke the team record. Oh, he already broke the team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve is the team record held by Jerry Rice. Shockingly. With his next with his next game where he has a rushing and receiving touchdown, McCaffrey would have the second most games in the NFL with one of each. Um with fourteen like NFL history. And Marshall Falk Falk won? Yeah, Marshall Falk's won with fifteen. Wow. So Christian McCaffrey has he needs two more games with a rushing and receiving touchdown, which I think will probably happen this season to have more games with a rushing and receiving touchdown in the same game than anybody else in league history. That's nuts, dude. That's so crazy. That's wild. Offensive player one. of the year so far, CMC? Yeah, yeah, dude, I think he's the MVP so far. Ooh, that's a take. Like it's just it's it's through 4 weeks. Yeah. But just when you kind of look at the quarterbacks on the teams that are good, it's like Vikings, no, Chargers, eh. Tua is, I guess. But, dude, McCaffrey leads the league in scrimmage yards. He's tied for the team, the league lead in, in scrimmage touchdowns. I don't know. I think, I think if you're going to make a case for a running back, I think he's got a really good case through four weeks. Can I do another what's on tap? Yeah, hold on. Uh, on CMC, oh, all of his okay. games... All of his games have been good, like extremely good. Even the Chiefs game where he was barely involved, it was like, oh, okay, he's just the best offensive player now. These are just his stat lines for this season, the four games this season. twenty Week one at Pittsburgh, 22 runs, 152 yards, a touchdown, uh, and yeah, three catches, 17 yards. Um, at the Rams, 20 carries, 116 yards, a touchdown. Mm-hmm. against the Giants, 18 carries, 85 yards, a touchdown, five catches, 34 yards. And against Arizona, 20 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns, seven catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown, four touchdowns total. Wild. Him him, and Raheem Mostert, oddly enough, lead the league in scrimmage touchdowns so far. Yeah. Armo's ball. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to our guy. Uh on this line, Ernesto, our guy in the chat, uh, said if CMC or asked if CMC wins MVP, does it even make a difference on how running backs getting squeezed out? No, I think it'll force teams, not force teams, but I think it would it would it would be used by teams to go. Well, look at everything he does as a receiver. If you can offer that, then we will pay you. Yeah, I think there's like. There's a possibility that running backs just start to catch the ball more. 
Mm-hmm. Like I think running backs in college will be like, if I'm going to make any hay in the NFL, I have to be a pass catcher too. I kind of, I kind of wonder if we're, if we're going to start to see at the high school level, yeah. maybe like those really good athletes who used to be running back saying, Hey, I want to play receiver. And then when they get to college, moving to running back or halfway through college, moving to, or something like that, where they have that background as a receiver. Yeah, I think I, I think that might be the next chapter of this whole of this whole thing, right? It's like yeah. game, the games constantly evolve, positions constantly evolve, and I think I don't think the running back is ever going to just die. Like teams are always no. going to have running backs. Teams are always going to mm-hmm. run the ball. Um, but it's the running backs who have no value in the passing game that are going to be aged out. Right, Derrick Henry. Yeah, like, and, and it's not to say that those those players haven't had great careers or they don't deserve yeah Derek Henry's a hall of famer huge huge paychecks at any point mm-hmm. it's just when it comes to the league and its valuation of running backs they're gonna do it they're gonna pay players who really contribute in the passing game and open everything up in the ways that Christian McCaffrey does because that's yep. sort of you know being able being able to to run the ball is only so valuable like what makes the 49ers such a difficult offense to stop mm-hmm. is how multiple they can be, how, how they can do so right. many different things with one personnel grouping. Whereas mm-hmm. like if they were only good at running the ball, then they would be a hell of a lot easier to defend, but they're good at both. And George Kittle great in the block. Great. I mean, we haven't seen George Kittle really do anything yet in the passing game. We don't even <laughs> know if he's out there. Okay, you're stepping on my what's on tap. <laughs> okay, but my point is, is like the 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 ability to do both is what makes you a valuable player, offensively, mm-hmm. and like we're seeing with even receivers like run blocking, right? Like that's super valuable to the 49ers. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I think that's where I think the running back market conversation is going. Is that the dudes dudes who contribute in the passing game are still going to get paid? There's still a place for those guys. It's just the dudes that only contribute to the running game that are that are just not going to get paid. I agree. I think George Kittle is going to play this week. I think a George Kittle game is on tap. Think he's going to be active? Yeah, I think George Kittle is going to be active this week. No, I just I, look. I don't believe in Leighton Vander Esch. The Cowboys star linebacker. I don't believe in or star quote unquote the Cowboys best linebacker. I don't believe in him in coverage. And I think we're going to get a couple of plays where Purdy's under duress. I think he's going to be under duress a lot. I also think a Brock Purdy interceptions on tap his first of the year, but I think he's going to be under duress a lot. And I think the Cowboys are going to do, and Dan Quinn is going to do everything that he can to make sure Christian McCaffrey is not involved. And that's going to probably mean George Kittle one-on-one a lot with a guy like Leighton Vander Esch. And I think Purdy's going to find him, and I think I think uh, Kittle's going to have a really good game. Be nice. Hasn't had the a Kittle good bit, game yet. <laughs> Kittle bit got a whole segment on the last pod. It's such a good bit. I, I, it's really good. I mean, I enjoy it. I don't know if the listeners enjoy it as much as I Hey, maybe it. if he it's worked on his game, maybe if he worked on his game instead of organizing T-E-U... <laughs> Even like the, uh, I mean, it's a funny bit because you watch like any big running play really. And we say this about Kyle Juszczyk too, but any big running play, there's usually a like f- perfect George Kittle block right. involved. It's just and teach even, tape. He's got his hands under the pads. His, he's got the defender turned 90 degrees toward the, toward the goal line. 
It's just textbook every time. And even the um, like Christian with the the swing pass McCaffrey touchdown against the Cardinals, where McCaffrey mm-hmm. just somehow it looked like he didn't even see the defender, but he jumped over him anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, George Kittle had a great block on that game on that play, sealing sealing the the lane on the yep. outside. But I just love the bit that like you no, know, you watch the 49ers play closely, you just see George Kittle throwing hellacious block after hellacious <laughs> block, and he's not contributing at all in the passing game, and it's like. <laughs> Where's George? Should George retire? <laughs> is George Kittle washed? Some are asking. Is he, is he even out there? God. Oh. He was also uh, he was also wide open for uh, at least a couple plays. J.T. O'Sullivan had a good had a good breakdown of it, um, and he was complaining about because he has George Kittle on his fantasy team. Same. Purdy's Purdy's read to that play where Christian McCaffrey was tackled. Um, I think it was inside the five yard line in the first half. Uh, George Kittle is wide open on the on the right side of the field, like it, it looked like a deep seam route or corner route. I forget mm-hmm. which one, just completely uncovered. But the read very clearly was to the left, and McCaffrey was open early in the read, and just missed, um, miss Kittle because he was just like, I'm just going to hit CMC, the arguably like the offensive player of the year slash MVP right now. Just he's open, I'm going to hit him. <laughs> and I think that's another funny bit of um of pretty criticism is like, Oh, he misses open guys. It's like, well, like, can, can we say he's missing open guys without acknowledging what his reads are? And it's like, if he's getting a first down to Christian McCaffrey on the left side, is it really inexcusable that he's like not hitting George Kittle for the 30 yard touchdown, even though arguably the best player, the best offensive player in the league right now is wide open to his left and he didn't (laughs) make it to the read on his right. Right. Like, right. We're going to kill. We're going to kill Brock Purdy for that. Okay. I'm just not, not going to pretend to know what his reads are. Watch more tape, sure. guys. Dude, no ball. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, do you have the prize picks PDF by chance? <laughs> the read. Yeah, this is this is high quality podcasting content. Dude, I'm uh, sorry, me, I, th- I and... thought I had it, and I I don't. Okay. Uh... Oh boy. Yeah, this just is scrolling through emails. It's all good. Ernesto in the chat asked what a bad Brock Purdy game looks like. And he asked if he struggled, what would you guess the reason would be? It would be because there's a pass rush that gets home with four and drops seven into coverage. And some of those balls he got away with against the Giants, he doesn't get away with. And all of a sudden his stat line that looks really good has two or three interceptions on it and is more reflective of the type of game that he had early on in that one. Um so that's why I think he would struggle, and I think it would look like more of a of an issue for him because you would see, I think, a, a couple of turnovers on his stat line. So that's yeah, opinion. I think there's that. I think he could miss some downfield throws. Yeah. Right? Like, he could have um, – sorry, I'm trying to send you this. I got I'll it. Send you the first half of the – okay, great. <laughs> Um, high quality podcasting content. So if it's Brock fine. struggles, I think it's a combination of turnovers, like you said, but I also think there's a chance that it, he misses some throws, maybe like he did against the Rams, like downfield. It's like, man, instead of, instead of a touchdown or a goal to go situation or a field goal, they're punting. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that, that could be a huge difference in a, what's likely to be a one score game. Yep. I would agree. All right. Let's get to our prize picks. Prize Picks has been super fun. It is daily fantasy, and it's super easy. 
So you download the prize picks app or you go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick. And it's just, it's not you against like a shark or a pro or anything like that. It's just you against the number. So instead of betting against thousands of other players and stuff, you pick, instead of battling thousands of players and stuff, uh, you pick more than or less than on two to six stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. It's super easy. So let's run through our picks for this week. I have put together a six player entry and I feel really, really good about where I'm at, Chris. Six is a lot. You're you're overachieving AF on vacation right now. Yeah, I only thanks, have man. three. And mine are not like deep dive over then or or sorry, more than or less than. Like mine mine are pretty straightforward. I really like the flex plays because it allows you to miss one and still recoup some of your winnings. That's great. Yeah. I rock a flex play. I just That's I swing doing. for I the fences six, with the power plays. Players. And uh, and it's frankly my record has. Well, it's the moment. difference. You played JUCO ball, I didn't, and that's that's why. <laughs> no, played okay, is, so played is. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily. You good. wore a uniform for JUCO ball. I didn't. I, I practiced for a season in JUCO. <laughs> okay, so I think we both have this one. Dak Prescott less than two hundred and forty-one and a half passing yards. And I also have Brock Purdy less than 241 and a half passing yards because there's two really good defenses. And I think both teams are going to try and run the ball. They're going to try and mitigate each other's pass rush with the run game. So I I believe we're going to see both quarterbacks go less than 241 and a half yards. Yeah, I have the same one. Um, I have Purdy less than 241 and a half and Dak less than 241 and a half or fewer, whichever whichever vernacular you prefer. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, to your point, I don't have any like great analysis other than I just think it's going to be a defensive game and it's going to be really yeah. hard to throw against both teams. Um, although the one pick I have, the the other pick I have, so the, the, the two quarterbacks throwing for fewer than two, 41 and a half are my, are, are two of my picks. Um, I'm going more than 66 and a half receiving yards for CD lamb. Mm. because um, you go through his games so far this season. Uh, he's He's been in the slot quite a bit. And again, in week two and week three um, against the Jets and Cardinals, respectively, he had 46 snaps out of the slot um, in each of those games. And I would say if you are looking for a weakness in the 49ers secondary, from mm-hmm. a coverage standpoint, I think it's probably the slot. Like if they're probably trying to figure out is Isaiah Oliver the best matchup for CD or is it Diamador Lenore? And I just think like I don't think much of the for- of the Cowboys passing game as a whole, but I yeah. do like CD Lamb in the slot um against Isaiah Oliver or even Diamador Lenore. And 66 mm-hmm. and a half isn't like a huge number. No. Um I just think that that's that's an area where if I'm the Cowboys, I'm putting CD in the slot, trying to make hay against linebackers. I know Fred Warner is obviously the best coverage linebacker in the league, but I think that's where the Cowboys are going to have the most success against the Niners offensively is either mm-hmm. with Tony Pollard or with CD Lamb in the slot. Um, so I'm going more than 66 and a half yards for him. Okay, I'm going more than 55 and a half for Brandon Ayuk. Again, that just doesn't seem like a huge number. 
And if he's getting six or seven targets, I think he's catching six or seven balls. And if he's doing that, he's going more than 55 and a half receiving yards. So I'm leaning into that, even though I'm going the less than 241 and a half with Purdy. Um, <laughs> uh, I have George Kittle less than 41 and a half receiving yards, even though I think it's going to be a big George Kittle game. I went less than 41 and a half receiving yards. I'm not really sure why. I genuinely don't know why I did that. Jake Ferguson, don't ride that one. Fade that one. Jake Ferguson, I'm going to go less than 26 and a half receiving yards for the reasons that I tried to lay out earlier. And then Tony Pollard and Christian McCaffrey combined touchdowns of more than one and a half rushing and receiving. I'm taking that because as you laid out, Tony Pollard looked like a little bit of a problem for the 49ers and the Cowboys are going to feed him a lot. And Christian McCaffrey has a touchdown in basically every game he's ever played with San Francisco. So I need one of them to either score twice or each one to score once. Um, Steven Ruiz, somebody named yeah, Steven Ruiz I'm sure it's him. Is, is commenting. If it's him, like we had him on the pod. I think someone on Twitter was upset we had him on the pod because they disagree with his pretty takes. We it's obviously disagree with his pretty takes, but uh, if this is Steven Ruiz, who's um, of the ringer and, and does no chance. quarterback rankings, Zero no chance. chance. Well, if it is, he's invited back on and we can have the discussion um, with him because uh, I think that would be good content and it would be a, it would be a good discussion. I like the thing I can't do is like, oh, this guy disagrees with my football take. So obviously he's a moron. Can't do that. Like we, we all, we all can, can like disagree about football takes, but like you know, not necessarily go the personal attack route. No, I think Steven's fine. I think Steven's fine. I don't, he, he would be great on the pod. Again, you know, he was great on the pod. Actually, you know what? I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> hate no. that guy for his football takes. Um, all just right. No, nothing, nothing about him as a human and just hate him. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Brock Purdy isn't below it, Mac it? Jones. Are you kidding me? Hey, can we real wild, quick, though. hey, yeah. real quick, can we, I want to, I'm so happy the 49ers didn't draft Mac Jones. The yeah, I mean, it would be so boring. Can you imagine how boring the last couple of years would have been? No, it would have been bad. It would have been like, like I kind of think the Niners are boring now, but like not in a bad way. Like, if they would have picked Mac Jones, it would have been a disaster. And. There would have been the opposite. There would have been controversy. There would have been all this stuff. Like, I think nobody, nobody would have had the fan base turn on them faster than Mac Jones. Like, it would have been the, early years. The Alex second Smith, he got like drafted, 20. yeah, yeah. Like, do you remember yeah. there, the Niners? <laughs> the Niners put out a, a social media video of all the reactions of the Trey Lance draft of the mm-hmm. Trey Lance pick, and everyone was so happy. The reason why everyone was so happy is because the pick was not Mac Jones. Right. And I think everybody should correctly feel validated in that take based on how it's gone with New England. Yep. It's been an outright disaster with the Pats so far. Yeah, but he made a Pro Bowl and did the gritty in the Pro Bowl. So, you know, uh, go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Do they have a uh, a fewer than 
um, gritties for Mac Jones on Sunday? Can we go? Can we go He's less than fewer than half? <laughs> fewer than half. Yeah, half a gritty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just he does half a gritty. I'm like, dang it! He did a half gritty. He did a grid. I think the 49ers are going to win 20 to 16. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. They're um, going to win 20 to 16, and Mike McCarthy is going to kick a field goal from the 49ers 21 on a fourth and four with like three and a half minutes left. And two timeouts. And two timeouts. Just like full tilt mode. Yeah. Um, do you remember, I think it was 2013 when the Niners won every single game, 23 to 17? Yes. That's where I'm going. Niners 23, Cowboys 17. I love that for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just going to look a lot like the playoff game did. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If the if it, like, the, the, um, the least surprising thing to me would be, like, the game is basically decided on a Dak Prescott interception. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Isn't that kind of how the playoff game went? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. Wouldn't shock me at all. I don't think it's the real Steven Ruiz, guys, in the chat. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably not, but it's a great bit. <laughs> really good. To, to have the devotion to create a fake Steven Ruiz account in YouTube specifically to participate in the chat and, the, and ask that. if you can Perfect. take all the, all the viewers on Brock Purdy and Prize Fix is great. Really good. All right. I gotta run. Yep. Enjoy vacation, bro. Can't wait for this. Can't wait for this football game. It's gonna be super fun. Subscribe, rate, review. Yep. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, notification bell, like button, all all those things. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.